are you the one? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a fair question, right? Are you the one or, or is someone else to come, right? What's the deal? Like, giver of life, God of all creation, aren't you the one? Um, let's try this this morning. Look at someone and say, who are you expecting? All right, we're going to try that again. <laughs> who are you expecting? We're all a little asleep this morning. Everyone's like, Yeah. So, who are you expecting? What are you expecting of the Messiah? What exactly is this? What exactly is this Christian life supposed to look like? You ever just ask that question? Like, what? What is this Christian life? What is this whole thing supposed to look like? What are we expecting here? Is it supposed to be painless? Is it supposed to be prosperous? Is it supposed to be profitable? Uh, is it supposed to be? Let me give me another repeat. Uh, you know, what is, what is this whole thing supposed to look like uh, this morning? You know, I don't think it's any surprise that that our post-World War II Industrial Revolution America has created the kind of Christianity it's created over the last, you know, decade. Uh, that, that, that uh, you know, a very successful one, right, and profitable one with large buildings and large congregations, and we're living our best lives ever, and, and there's TV shows, and, and we talk about how to live abundantly, and, and uh, you know, and what a great people we are because our God is great. Uh, right? Uh, isn't it interesting how we <laughs> isn't it interesting how we tend to uh, read our Bible through the lens of our culture rather than the other way around? Uh, right? Uh, like we project all this on, uh, you know, you ever like go through like some old songs or, or hymns you grew up singing and they're all, all, like so many of them are about like how great God is and almighty you know, and, and then maybe once a year around Advent, we'll, we'll sing a few songs about how small God is, uh, you know, and, and, and like a baby. And then we're back to like, and he's great, you know, and, and but heart the herald man, you know, and, uh, you know, and so it's hard to linger there, right? Um, you know, because of who our Heavenly Father is, we should be wealthy and healthy and free and prosperous and, and, uh, you know, and so now, ironically, here we are in really the most wealthy place on earth in America, and, and yet we're still more concerned uh, than ever of how to, like, live even more pain-free, how to, how to, like, how to get rid of even more discomfort, like, how to medicate and separate ourselves from any sort of rub or, or struggle and, and uh, you know, better medicine and jobs and homes and lives and, you know, uh, while we already have... More than the majority of the world, right? And it, and it does, especially following last week, like it, it does really beg the question: like, have we, like, is there some of, some sort of assimilation that's happened? Have we assimilated uh, with, with the empire? Um, so it, this morning, it is, it is human to doubt. It is human to doubt, especially when you're suffering. Um, you know, I, I think if there had never been a moment like this in the Gospels where you saw someone especially like John the Baptist in the moment of doubt, it would almost like be unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if these texts weren't here, you would almost be like, well, I don't, you know, now it doesn't seem like something's missing, you know? And like this this moment here, uh, right, it, it, it would almost be hard to swallow without it because doubt and suffering, like all this stuff, this is like a part of our DNA. Like it's a part of our story. It's a part of everyone's story. And then we all struggle. We all have these experiences. Life doesn't happen without these things, 
Right? So, uh, jumping to verse 4, it says, Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, uh, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Uh, I love that. This is actually a repeat of the list in Matthew 10. So, in Matthew like, 7, 8, 9, like he, Jesus is doing these things. Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his disciples to do these things. And then in Matthew 11, uh, John's like, are you the one? And Jesus is like, look, here's all these things, right? And he's pointing to how the kingdom has been uh, embodied, right, uh, and, and, and being burst uh, into the world. Uh, but he says in verse 6, and I love this, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> Why are we, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. What does it mean? Uh, right? So he says, yes to John, yes, the kingdom is coming. Uh, right? But you see, John is imprisoned. John's imprisoned by the system. John is imprisoned by the very thing that they, and almost everyone was expecting Jesus to come and fix as the new king in the line of the son of David, right? Jesus was supposed to come and be the Messiah, wear the crown, you know, and fix all these systems and, and broken things and, and take the government back and rise to power and stand up and hold out his scepter and establish his rule and thrust the evils into darkness and restore justice to the people of Israel, right? And, and John's like in prison and he's like, are you the one, right? Uh, aren't you the one or, or are we waiting for somebody else? Isn't that, isn't that so interesting, right? This, this, the reason all this tension exists in the Gospels, by the way, is because they were, they were continually expecting Jesus to be someone who he wasn't, right? Jesus was a huge failure for nationalistic hope. Uh, right? I mean, like, Jesus was a huge failure for nationalistic hope. They were always expecting Jesus to come back and be this way, right? Can you see how the church is still a little bit stuck in this tension today? I mean, just a little bit. Right? They, they wanted, what they wanted from Jesus was, was never the promise, right? It was, it was never the promise, right? It was only our interpretation are, are prideful and egotistical and sinful and patriarchal and control-hungry projections onto our God, right? So it's never the promise, right? It's our personal expectations on Jesus, our personal expectations on the Messiah. And I find this actually even more glaring today. You know, all this all this impeachment stuff is going on. And you can't miss it. Like, you turn on NPR the other day, it's literally live, you know? And you listen to it for like five minutes, and you're like, oh my gosh. You know, and they're just reading through all this stuff, and they're like, oh man, it's been going on for so long. And, and uh, man, it's just right there, you know. It's like 2,000 years later, society is still gridlocked in the same scruples. You know what I'm saying? Like, to, to get the right person in power, to, to get control of the crown, you know. Like, we're, we're, we're still, you know, to get justice from the top, you know. And, and that's what it's all about, you know. And don't get me wrong, like, if I have to live in America and I have to be an American citizen, like, we all want someone who is just and merciful and good sitting in that seat up top, whatever, you know, like, yeah, sure, that's, that's a good thing, right? But, but if history, if, if Jesus is going to teach us anything, right, is that this whole thing is, is wired, right? The way this, this kingdom will truly come uh, the way justice will roll on and transform society has never been like from a, from a top-down situation, right? 
Uh, it, it always takes root from the bottom up. Right? Transformation always comes from within, doesn't it? It sort of, sort of bubbles up from the surface, Shane Claiborne talks about. Right? Transformation always comes from within. Right? Same reason we can spend our whole lives, uh, you know, coming to church and, and being, you know, going to Sunday school and learning all the creeds and doing all the spiritual practices and reading our Bibles and fasting and, and, and still not be transformed. Still not have repented uh, to metanoia, to turn around, to change your mind, right? Because um, uh, it's not a top-down thing, right? It's usually a bottom-up thing. Anyway, the kingdom of heaven continually grasps roots, right? Uh, love will always be the hard path that leads to suffering transformation. So, uh, it might be a good thing to ask what maybe this morning you're still waiting on Jesus to do for you? Maybe what you're still expecting Jesus is going to do for you this morning? Uh, it might just be outside of the way that God has faithfully worked in the world. You know? We were talking about this at our table a little bit, but I think sometimes we get trapped. We just trap ourselves, you know? Like, we start trying to, like, do mental gymnastics figure out why God works the way God works. Um, you know, why does God always tend to work more subversively, more from within, rather than, like, power over, rather than, like, outwardly, you know, strong, uh, rather than coming down and grabbing that throne and taking it back, and, you know. Why does he always tend to work this way, right? Transformation comes from within. Uh, our Messiah comes through love rather than, than violent judgment, right? Love doesn't impose its will on the other, does it? Um, if you've ever tried this, you you realize uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't go very far, right? Love, love doesn't impose its will uh, on the other, uh, does it? So Jesus comes, he says, yes, yes, it is coming. Yes, I am the one. Uh, but yet, even John wasn't quite expecting this sort of Messiah, was he? Uh, you're like, man, even John, who knew Jesus so well, was still in this dark moment of doubt, um, like, oh, I don't, you know, I was kind of expecting something else to happen. Um, and so, uh, it's interesting, Jesus turns to the crowds who, who are seeing all this and hearing all this, and maybe now wondering about the validity of the prophet John. And, uh, and some of them maybe even have been baptized by John. And, uh, and he says, in verse 7, As they went away, Jesus began to preach, speak to the crowds about John. Uh, what did you go out in the wilderness to, to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? Well, uh, you know. what, what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Uh, look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What well, then did you go out to see? A prophet? I guess I'd tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Uh, Jesus is almost like addressing the crowds, and he's like, he's like, was so was John the one we were expecting to come? Like, was John the one who was forced up? Like, is John who he said he was? Uh, you know, and, and 
John the Baptist is in prison and, they, and he's doubting. Like, is is he really is he really one who we thought he was praying? What did you all go out like here in the wilderness? A reed taken by the wind? You know, like, it, it wasn't nothing. Uh, someone in soft robes. I love this, right? You know, like this full interpretation. What? He's no aristocrat, you know. Uh, a prophet and more than a prophet. What's interesting in this text is is that Jesus is not only undisturbed by John's doubt. Uh, he he actually revalidates John's ministry, right? He's not he's not at all like hung up by by John's struggle here, but he's even revalidating John as like John is on the path, right? John John is more than a prophet, right? Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Right? This, this power over situation has always tried to rise and grab to the top. Right? That's never been how this whole thing is going to go. Right? Jesus actually comes in. The flesh, right, as a child, right, in the incarnation, right, in, in a in a new covenant, like sealing the deal. This is not how it works. It's another way, right? And if you are willing to accept that he is Elijah who is to come, let anyone with ears listen. Yes, I am the one to come. Yes, John is who he said he was. He is a prophet. Yes, this is the way. Yes. Yet this morning, if you know the story, uh, what happens to John? So the story is kind of like, you know, like, oh man, it's not very pretty, right? John is literally beheaded. I mean, nothing gruesome, but I can think about that for a second. And said his head was brought like on a platter. Like, this is how it ended for John the Baptist. Ended, right? Man, Lord, are you the one, or should we wait for another? Lord, are you the one, or is there somebody else? Right? Is all this right? All this suffering, all this pain? Doesn't really feel like we're on the winning team here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you ever been there? Right? They would just cry out, like, God. Right? God can handle it. I would even venture to say, like, it's the appropriate thing to do. Are you the one? Doesn't feel like you're the one. Here's what the message is not today. Here's what the message is not today. I figured I'd give this to you guys. Have more faith and understand who Jesus is so you can stop asking stupid questions. Dummy. <laughs> Here's what the message is not today. Never doubt. Suck it up. Die a hero's death. Some good sermons out there for that one, though. So. <laughs> man, man, man. 
Could it be this morning that Jesus, born a refugee in the stables, homeless, beaten, died by execution by the state, is the one who is to come? A citizen of the kingdom of God will always be at odds with other kingdoms, right? There will always be uh, tension, right? This Advent, as we await the full embodiment of God's kingdom on earth, we, we expect, we expect. But the things we expect this morning are maybe some tribulations, some pain. We expect difficulty. We expect tension. We expect the rub. We expect suffering. But even more this morning, uh, we rejoice. Uh, we rejoice because these are the signs that a new kingdom is breaking in. Because, uh, you see, for one thing to come in, another one must die. For one kingdom to, to be birthed, another one must give way. There, there was going to be rub. These are called, these are called kingdom contractions, right? Uh, because this, this new thing is, is being birthed. Right? This new thing is, is coming out of a crazy awesome womb. Right? And, and there will be uh, these new things. John, James uh, writes about this. He says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but pure joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And he says, And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete. Lacking in nothing, right? We can take joy in these sufferings because something other is going on, right? And I love how James follows this up with the very next thing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. Like wisdom. Like the ability to actually see it. Right. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, like, ask for deliverance. Like, you're going to pray for deliverance from all this stuff. Uh, but he says, pray for wisdom, the ability to see all this stuff for what it is. And may the suffering produce joy for you and endurance. May you get some perspective in all of this. Uh, right? Four years years ago, uh, this last week, we in our in our house we call it the anniversary of the accident or, or whatever. Uh, many of you are around for that. And, and uh, right before David was born on this in December 2015, I was unloading a big piece of glass from the back of the truck. It broke in my arms and gnarly got my wrist really bad and cut four tendons and two nerves and one artery and just really ugly. And um, and every time like December 9th rolls around, it's, it's like this like anniversary, right? And it serves for me, and I'm always asking what my suffering is 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 teaching. You know, I think I think that's what we have to ask ourselves: what are, what are our pains, what our sufferings are, are teaching us, right? And and there's this moment of, you know, for me, for that, it's very much like how life is precious. And it feels like, it, you know, having lived through this thing, it's like you you gain, a, you know, you had any sort of similar experience. You gain perspective, right? For anyone who delivered a child, for sure, like, you're like, 
holy cow, you know. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how our pain and our suffering in our life almost works as like a, like a fast track into some of these kingdom virtues. Like, like it just like all of a sudden you just pull back here and you're like, oh man, grace, love, mercy, compassion, patience, right? You're just sort of like pull back for a minute in these in these heightened moments that suffering takes us into, right? And and then we're able to like see some things uh, with some clarity. He says. He says, if any of you is lacking wisdom, ask God. He gives it all generously and grudgingly, you know. Almost makes you nervous to kind of pray that, though. Because you're like, uh, what's that, you know, like, be careful what you pray for, you know. Um, what, can your suf- what can our sufferings teach us? What if instead of doing everything we can to forget our pain and to move away from our pain, like, that we, like, lean into it, right? Uh, what if instead of pushing all the memory away, we, we engage with it and we probed it, uh, Right? What if we all became societal prophets of the kingdom of God as we teach people how to engage with the Christ of the cross? Right? So here's what the message is today. It is appropriate to be human. It is appropriate to be human. High five someone and say, human. Human. Nailed it. Nailed it. Now, uh, now pinch someone and say, human! No. Just kidding, don't do that. Don't do that. It's so appropriate to be human. This is literally what the season of Christmas has to teach us this morning. That God, the divine, comes and takes on the flesh that the Christ becomes Jesus, that God becomes human, what the manger has to teach us today, what we are also learning, is this validation that, that you, that we are human, that Jesus is born among us, and then literally our skin and our bones become sacramental. That it is okay that you doubt. It is okay that you bleed. It is okay that you cry. It is okay that you struggle. It is okay that you are frail. It is okay that you are needy. It is okay that you are human because God is human too. And God loves things by becoming them. And it is in our lack that God always does his best work. And may you this morning embrace find freedom and joy and grace and peace and comfort in the knowledge of that this morning. I want to pray for us, and uh, we're going to wait for the kids to come back. I'm going to invite Jason to come up just for a minute and play for us. Lord, especially in this season right now where I know that many of us Oh, man. Sort of held captive by the cold. Some of us by a cold. And by the things in life that remind us of how frail we are. Lord, sometimes, God, I think we are just very tempted to, to make this into a slot machine situation where we put in a prayer and 
hope that you all just go live nice with this thing. And Lord, I, and I don't think there's any harm in those prayers. Sometimes it's God. Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom. That our suffering should draw us closer to you. And that your kingdom would come into our lives, Lord, as we further understand and realize and embrace the smallness uh, of you, God, and the maker. That you come and you teach us the cross, you come and teach us vulnerability. Lord, in that we know you. We'll see these things. Good night. Amen.